Welcome back, everyone, to the Horror Shed Podcast. I'm your beautiful, award-winning co-host, Jared. <laughs> Down below, we have uh, the infamous South Jersey Jason. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing good. It is Thursday, one more day of this freaking week, and it'll be over. You've been on vacation all week, right? Yeah, yeah. So what have you been doing, playing Call of Duty? Tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I really wanted to get the award show done, and that's loaded, recorded. We did voiceovers for videos. Uh, a lot of work went into this year's. So um, that's finally loaded, ready to come out November 13th at 7 a.m. Nice. I'll be tuning in for that. And then do you have any haunts coming up? Or uh, We haven't decided on where we're going for Christmas. Okay. But we'll, maybe a couple. We'll see. We'll see what the okay. schedules look like. All right. <clears throat> Anything new in your world? Anything you watched? Um, I watched a lot of trailers. I'm excited. I'm fucking excited about Ghostbusters. I really am. I saw Bill. I was shocked to see Bill Murray back. Well, no, he was in the first reboot. Yeah, but I didn't think he'd come back for the second um, one. I really yeah, didn't. Well, I think, you know, because it's Ivan Reitman's son. Yeah. It's got a good story. I mean, the first one was great. Yeah. It was pretty much kind of like just a rehash of the original Ghostbusters with uh, whatever the Gozer or whatever it was. Zool. So Yeah, Zool, yeah. So I I would love, and I know it's not going to happen, Rick Moranis to come back. Hey, know? maybe. Who knows? Who knows? We'll see. But uh, I watched the Stranger Things trailer. It's got me interested. There's a trailer? Yeah. Did you send it to me? No. No, I didn't send it. What's the f- I figured you would have seen it. They're going to be like 40 by the time it comes out. You'll be fine. It's okay. They're growing up. That's the point of the show. I I, I know. What I'm saying is like by the time, because they haven't even filmed a lot because of the strike. Well, the they had some shit filmed. Oh, did they? Okay. Yeah. But uh, right. yeah, that's looking good. Uh, I watched a lot of documentaries. We watched... Uh, Getting Gotti, which was okay. really well done. And then um, what was fantastic was Sly, the new Netflix about Sly. Oh, I Sylvester didn't know there was a Stallone. About oh, really? Really good. Was it like one of those limited or um, straight for It's type? hour and a half, just straight okay. through. Uh, Getting Gotti was three episodes. Okay. Speaking of documentary, I couldn't find anything to watch, like to fall asleep. So I found myself watching the story of Gore. <laughs> it was on, what was it on, Tubi, I think? I'm not sure. But um, yeah, I started watching. I know you watched The Nun 2. Yep, The Nun 2. Um, I still haven't yet to finish it. My God. Um, But I watched Critters. <laughs> okay. And I haven't seen that movie in forever. And it's not bad. I didn't know that the Chiota Brothers from um, Killer Clowns uh did the puppets oh. i did not know that yeah uh my bunny says ghostbusters looks good yeah, we all like the last one yeah it was really good especially and if you you know i would want to find one grown man who didn't cry at the end you know i didn't cry you, you didn't cry not even like a little miffled like no. uh, you have no heart i don't it's 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 buried so i was going to go on a critters binge um I could find all the other Critters movies, but part two, nowhere. <laughs> I even tried to watch it on my fire stick, and the damn thing kept freezing. So um, That's crazy. Yeah, so I watched that, and um, I watched um, Hell House Origins, or whatever it's called. 
So now, if you've seen all the movies, right? Yeah, except the okay. last one. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking like it's not even filmed at the the estate. So what does it have to do with it? It takes place in the town. It's in the same universe, and there's throwbacks to uh the hotel and okay. of course the clowns it it tells you who actually the clown is oh okay so it wasn't bad and i gotta tell you there were some scenes where i jumped a little bit oh, so shit. all right it's it's not bad it's not bad i just didn't see why the one i didn't see why the owner of the waldorf was executive producer because it wasn't at waldorf i can see if like they used it i think she's show. involved in the rights because she's she was even in the first one so she I, was oh yeah she was the door person oh see i gotta go back and watch it okay yeah. so oh, i okay. think there, it has to do with rights but hey she's sticking with it good for her yeah so definitely give it a watch um and Started picking up back on Goosebumps because I still have a couple episodes left, and it's good, man. I'm telling you, um, I feel like I watched something else and I just can't remember, but uh, it'll come back to me. Um, yeah, I'll probably pick up the Nun maybe over the weekend. My God, and, just finish the damn movie. I don't know how you start other movies without finishing the other one. Well, you know, because I fell asleep <laughs> as usual. Now I got to figure out where I fell asleep at to go back to it. Um. <laughs> I feel like I watched one more other horror movie. I just can't remember. Uh, well, I picked up. Um, I, I caught up on uh, American Horror Story. Okay. Uh, the new one with um, Emma Roberts and Kardashian. Uh, Goalies was good because yeah, yeah, she was good in that. Goalies too. She was in that one. Um, and I didn't know it, but they released them. Nightmare Christie posted it. Uh. Couple, like right on the week of Halloween, they did the American Horror Stories, and there's three or four episodes. And I have to say, they were real. She was right; they were really good. Okay. Um, the first episode was really, really cool, called like Friend or something. So, um, and then we got Thanksgiving coming out next week. So yep. I'm going to go. I'm going to go see that. Very cool. I'm excited for that. And uh, you have another event coming up, don't you? I do. Aren't you gonna be in Santa with animals or something? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Jesus I'm, like, I'm charging you for agent fees. <laughs> yeah, so I am going to be helping out our good friend Ashley, and uh, her and her mom run Safe and Sound Animal Rescue. So December 10th, I'll be up in Sussex County at the Tracker Supply, and they're doing the pet photos, and they're going to have the traditional Santa there. And if you want to make it even cooler there's going to be a santa jason combo and 100 percent of the proceeds go to the safe and sound animals i wish i could take that they have this one dog that kind of reminds me of maggie like just like the color and everything he's probably better than that little bitch but uh i still love her um so yeah that's what's going on i was talking to uh the the guys that are doing the i heart horror thing so they're moving um they're they're doing pretty good uh that's coming up in february so i'll be out there uh it's the i think it's the february 10th i think it is up in sayerville and uh i got my new costume is pretty much all done um jim ingram over at j3 is whipping that some bitch out he just he's uh molding the hands he's starting a new mold so it's gonna take about a month process to get it all 
Oh crap, my battery's about to die because someone unplugged my freaking computer. So stand by. Oh please, and I'll keep the conversation going. <laughs> Crazy ass. Don't talk about Maggie like that, my bunny said. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's an asshole. That's what we can boil down to. Yeah, got some events coming up. I horror. Maybe we'll head out there. I know he'll be there, but we'll see what I can pull off. Yeah, and uh, I was going to go to uh, Monster Mania this week, but uh, Dave Brown couldn't make it. Something came up. So we'll have to wait until next time, but uh, NJ Harkon just announced that they were going to have a show in April at the showboat, but um, for some reason, I'm not sure why, they moved it to Edison, which is okay. I guess it's only an hour from me. There you go. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. Any uh, Anything on the horizon that you got queued up that you're going to be watching? Uh, No. I'm just me and Terry going away for um, two nights, just lounging around the hotel room. We're not doing shit. We're not planning shit. It's gonna be nice. Nice, and that that's this week, right? Yeah, we leave tomorrow. Are you in state or out of state? We're heading to PA. Nothing, oh, nice. Nothing crazy. Okay, very nice. Um, yeah. So I think that's it. Uh. Anything that grinds your gears this week? No, nah, man, it's been a pretty easy week. Mm. Wish I could say the same. I think I'm about to just, you know, I know we had this conversation our night where you said you like you're just going to leave all horror groups. I, I, I don't understand why people are either doing it to be trolls or are they that dumb. Some guy posted, and you know, I don't belong to a some of these hard groups that I see is like suggested, you know? Yeah. So one of the things I saw was he had a screen image of Nancy Loomis, the actress from Halloween, the original that played, um, Annie, Jamie Lee's Annie. Thank you. Then they had a screenshot of her, the, the, uh, actress. I can't remember her name, but she was Roseanne's sister and she played Billy Loomis's. Yeah. Yeah. Mom and Scream 2. Her name was Nancy Loomis in the movie, I'm assuming. The guy goes, oh, I just found out that the actress that played Nancy, the, the actress Nancy Loomis from Halloween played uh, Billy's mom in Scream 2. And he had the shot of both actresses. And I'm like, are you for real? They are. That's the sad part. They're that fucking stupid. <laughs> uh uh, faces of Death. Oh my gosh, my bunny's gonna watch Faces of Death. I remember renting those from West Coast Video, mm. and at the time, I thought they were real. You know, I didn't know any better. So, and you know, they're making that into a movie. Did you hear about that? Yeah. I don't think it was gonna be PG and woke. You know, so I don't know how they're gonna do it PG, but okay. And now that the the uh, SAG strike is gonna be over by tomorrow, because it goes for final. Uh, approval for the national board people are pissed off that the friday 13th tv show hasn't been started yet and now they're pissed off that oh you know we're going to get a woke woke uh friday 13th well i i just i just hate people this week i don't care who you are i don't care if you're in hard groups or not i just people are just getting on my nerves my biggest thing with I'm watching this. What are your guys' thoughts? Why do you give a fuck? Watch what you want right. to watch. Who the fuck yeah. cares what anyone has to say? Or 
how about like um oh i was just watching family ties and i saw that amy Steele was in an episode she was trying to take michael keaton's virginity whoa like i'm tired of seeing like yeah we know they're actors they're in other stuff yeah it's just (laughs) i don't know man i'm just ready to leave them all yeah i think i need to like detox myself from social media but I'm a, I'm an influencer, so I can't. Yeah, I fuck I can't. There's been no way I could. I wish I could. Well, see, even my headphones are like, man, I just need to go back to bed. I knew today was going to be a bad day because I overslept today. You know, I haven't overslept for work, and I don't know how long. And when you oversleep, your days is like, yeah, you're always up. catching up. Yeah. All right. So let's get into um, Curse of the Pharaohs. Curse of the Pharaohs. Like walk like an Egyptian. Who sung that from the 80s? Uh, I, know, I know my bunny will now. I'm like drawing the bangles, the bangles. See, they, they knew what they were talking about. Manic Monday, you know, they knew. So Curse of the Pharaoh, something completely different for, for us. You know, we're trying to get back into other things in horror. And the only Curse of the Pharaohs that I know of is like watching the mummy, <laughs> the Brendan Fraser mummies. Yeah. Or uh, we don't talk about the Tom Cruise one or um, playing Assassin's Creed. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about the, the curse of the pharaohs or the mummy's curse is a curse alleged to be cast upon anyone who disrupts or disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian, especially a pharaoh. This curse, which does not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, is claimed to cause bad luck, illness, or death. So it doesn't discriminate whether you're a thief or a scientist. Nope. (laughs) So, um, Indiana Jones, sorry, buddy. Um, Since the mid-20th century, many authors and documentaries have argued that the curse is real in the sense of having scientifically explicable causes such as bacteria or radiation. However, the modern origins of Egyptian mummy curse tales, their development primarily in European cultures, the shift from magic to science to explain curses, and their changing uses from condemning disturbance of the dead to entertaining horror film audiences, suggest that Egyptian curses are primarily a cultural, not scientific phenomenon. So what do you think? Do you think it's just... um... You think it's just like a, a I think it's all bullshit, but the King Tut curse and how many people died after opening that tomb is kind of yeah. kind of convincing. Not convincing, yeah. but it's kind of weird. Right, right. So I'm I'm if this was Mythbusters, I'd say uh not pl- what was their other one? Like it was almost uh, plausible, but not really, but not I never watched Mythbusters. So what? No, I never watched it. God. Mm-hmm. How the fuck have you not- no, we're breaking not... up. <laughs> well, you know, it's been a year. It's been a good one. <laughs> there are occasional instances of genuine ancient curses appearing inside or on the facade of a tomb, as in the case of the Mastaba of... Okay, now forgive me, because these are Egyptian words, and I don't know pronunciation. And uh, So the Mastaba of Kantika... Ikeki of the 6th dynasty at Saqqara. These appear to be directed towards the Ka priest to protect the tomb carefully and preserve its ritual purity rather than as a warning for potential robbers. There have been stories of curses going back to the 19th century, but they multiplied after Howard Carter's discovery of the tomb of Tutankhamun. 
Despite popular misconceptions, no curse was found inscribed in the Pharaoh's tomb. The evidence for curses relating to Tutankhamun is considered to be so meager that Donald B. Redford called it unadulterated claptrap. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. Like, you know, obviously, okay, it's been over 100 years since we discovered the tombs, right? So it's 1930s, like... 1930s? 23, 23, yeah. So it's like, um, they said, oh, I'm just going to pick this place in the desert. You know, like, how did they know where to go? That's like... Oh, I, I know we had paperwork and shit, so they probably had ideas. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like like lidar which they can use today and you know do like a, a scan yeah i mean it, it's amazing the technology like i watch um jo i love watching josh gates expedition unknown and granted he doesn't find things nine nine ten times but the technology that we have to try to find something is ridiculous and how they can like map out the old ancient civilizations by just taking that, yeah. you know, airplane ride over. So let's get into the tomb curses. Uh, curses relating to tombs are extremely rare, possibly because the idea of such desecration was unthinkable and even dangerous to record. They most frequently occurred in private tombs of the old kingdom era. The tomb of Ankefiti, the ninth through 10th dynasty contains the warning. Any ruler who shall do evil or wickedness to this coffin may amen a local deity, not accept any goods he offers and may his heir not inherit the tomb of Kantika Aikeki, 6th dynasty, contains an inscription, as for all men who shall enter this my tomb impure, there will be judgment, an end shall be made for him. I shall seize his neck like a bird, I shall cast the fear of myself into him. And, you know, I've been thinking about that. These tombs are sealed up for thousands of years and sealed up really fucking good too yeah so when they so when they go in there you're breathing thousands of years of whatever yeah. which could attribute to why these people are dying good yeah um Curses after the old kingdom era are less common though more severe sometimes invoking the ire of thoth or the destruction of sekemet zahi hawas quotes an example of a curse curse be those who disturb the rest of a pharaoh they shall break free the seal of this tomb shall meet death by a disease that no doctor can diagnose modern accounts hieroglyphics were not deciphered until the early 19th century so reports of curses before this are simply perceived bad luck associated with the handling of mummies and other artifacts from tombs in 1699 louis penchier wrote an account in which he recorded how a polish traveler bought two mummies in alexandria and embarked on a sea journey with the mummies in the cargo hold the traveler was alarmed by reoccurring visions of two specters and the stormy seas did not abate until the mummies were thrown overboard or they just passed through the storm. <laughs> Zahi Hawass recalled that as a young archaeologist excavating at Kam Abu Billo, he had to transport several artifacts from the Greco-Roman site. His cousin died on that day. His uncle died on its first anniversary, and on the third anniversary, his aunt died. Years later, when he excavated the tombs of the builders of the pyramids of Giza, he encountered the curse. All people who enter this tomb who will make evil against this tomb and destroy it may be the may the crocodile be against them in water and snakes against them on land. May the hippopotamus be against them in water, the scorpion on land. 
you, know, you don't want fucking no hippopotamus. <laughs> Though not superstitious, Hawass decided not to disturb the mummies. However, he later was involved in the removal of two child mummies from Baharaya Oasis to a museum and reported he was haunted by the children in his dreams. The phenomenon did not stop until the mummy of the father was reunited with the children in the museum. He concluded that mummies should not be displayed, though it was a lesser evil than allowing the general public into the tombs. Do you think, not that they do it, but do you think they should allow visits into the tomb, like a tour? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I mean, it's been... History's history, whether it was good or bad history, but the, it was it's fascinating what the Egyptians mm-hmm. did, yeah. like the mummification, the bearing of all your prized possessions. I mean, you had certain rooms for your shit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's it's fascinating what they did. And it's not like you're going to, you know, the second cousin is going to be mad. This was right. 5000 years ago. Right, right. Uh, Hiawasa concluded that mummies should not be displayed, though it was a lesser evil than allowing the general public into the tombs. Hawass also recorded an incident of a sick young boy who loved ancient Egypt and was subject to a miracle cure in the Egyptian museum when he looked into the eyes of the mummy of King the I. The idea of a mummy reviving from the dead, an essential element of many mummy curse tales, was developed in The Mummy or A Tale of the 22nd Century, an early work combining science fiction and horror written by Jane C. Loudon and published anonymously in 1827. Louisa May Alcott was thought by Dominic Montserrat to have been the first to use a fully formed mummy curse plot in her 1869 story Lost in a Pyramid or The Mummy's Curse. Little side note, Lisa May Alcott wrote Little Women. Um, a here, a here, though, forgotten piece of mummy fiction that he rediscovered in the late 1990s. However, two stories subsequently discovered by S.J. Wolf, Robert Singerman, and Jasmine Day, The Mummy's Soul, Anonymous, 1862, and After 3000 Years, Jane G. Austen, 1868, has similar plots in which a female mummy takes magical revenge upon her male desecrator. Jasmine Day, therefore, argues that the modern European concept of curses is based upon an analogy between desecration of tombs and rape, interpreting early curse fiction as proto-feminist narratives authored by women. The anonymous and Austin stories predate Alcott's piece, raising the possibility that even earlier lost mummy curse prototype fiction awaits rediscovery. The opening of King Tut's tomb. The belief in a curse was brought to many people's attention due to the deaths of a few members of Howard Carter's team and other prominent visitors to the tomb shortly thereafter. Carter's team opened the tomb of Tutankhamen in 1922, launching the modern era of Egyptology. Yo, have you ever seen the updated um, 3D rendering of King Tut? Not the while. This boy was born like uh, there was a lot of incest going on. He had like a club foot and everything. (laughs) Yeah, he was not a good looking guy either. It was so, king at like 12, wasn't he? Yeah, and the reason, I believe like one of the reasons that led to his death was because of all the... Uh, Incest, yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. The famous Egyptologist James Henry Breasted worked with Carter soon after the first opening of the tomb. He reported how Carter sent a messenger on an errand to his house. On approaching his home, the messenger thought he heard a faint, almost human cry. Upon reaching the entrance, he saw the birdcage occupied by a cobra, the symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. Carter's canary had died in its mouth, and this fueled local rumors of a curse. 
Or maybe just a snake slithered in and, you know, killed the bird. Not saying it's part of a curse. Arthur Weigel, a previous inspector general of antiquities to the Egyptian government, reported that this was interpreted as Carter's house being broken into by the royal cobra, the same as, as that worn on the king's head to strike enemies on the very day the king's tomb was being broken into. An account of the incidents was reported by the New York Times on the 22nd of December 1922. The first of the deaths was that of Lord Carnivon, who financed the excavation. He had been bitten by a mosquito and later slashed the bite accidentally while shaving. It became infected and that resulted in blood poisoning. Two weeks before Carnivon died, Marie Corelli wrote an imaginative letter that was published in the New York World magazine in which she quoted an obscure book that confidentially asserted that dire punishment would follow any intrusion on a sealed tomb. Immediate frenzy followed with reports that a curse had been found in the king's tomb, though this was untrue. The superstition Benicio Mussolini, who had once accepted an Egyptian mummy as a gift, ordered its immediate removal from the Palazzo Chigi. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes and spiritualist, suggested that Lord Carnivan's death had been caused by elementals created by Tutankhamun's priests to guard the royal tomb, and this further fueled the media arrest. Arthur Weigall reported that six weeks before Carnivan's death, he had watched the Earl laughing and joking as he entered the king's tomb and said to a nearby reporter, H.V. Morton, I give him six weeks to live. The first autopsy carried out on the body of Tutankhamun by Dr. Derry found a heel lesion on the left cheek, but as Carnivan had been buried six months previously, it was not possible to determine if the location of the wound on the king's corresponded with the fatal mosquito bite on Carnivan. That's stretching. Mm-hmm. A study of documents and scholarly sources led the Lancet to conclude it unlikely that Cornerman's death had anything to do with Tutankhamun's tomb, refuting another theory that exposure to toxic fungi had contributed to his demise. The report points out that the Earl was only one of many to enter the tomb on several occasions and that none of the others were affected. The cause of Cornerman's death was reported as pneumonia supervening on facial... Okay, so basically a streptococcal infection of the skin and underlying soft tissue. Flesh-eating disease, I wonder? Yeah, I, I think know. so. Yeah. Pneumonia was thought to be only one of various complications arising from the progressively invasive infection that eventually resulted in multigrain failure. The Earl had been prone to frequent and severe lung infections, according to the Lancet, and there had been a general belief that one acute attack of bronchitis could have killed him. In such a debilitated state, the Earl's immune system was easily overwhelmed by I cannot talk tonight, and these words are a little hard. So yeah, you're, you're okay, bro. <laughs> In 1925, the anthropologist Henry Field, accompanied by Breasted, all right, let's say that's got to suck to have a last name Breasted. Yep, it does. <laughs> like having a doctor whose name is B Haven. That's their name, first name B Haven. It's, it's a good thing it wasn't a man because or a woman because then her name would be misbehaving. Boom, boom, tsh. In 1925, the anthropologist Henry Field, accompanied by Breasted, visited the tomb and recalled the kindness and friendliness of Carter. He also reported how a paperweight given to Carter's friend, Sir Bruce 
Ingram was composed of a mummified hand with its wrist adorned with a scarab bracelet marked with Curse be he who moves my body. To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. Soon after receiving the gift, Ingram's house burned down, fall by flood when it was rebuilt. Howard Carter was entirely skeptical of such curses, dismissing them as Tommy Rot and com commenting that the sentiment of the Egypt Egyptologist is one of fear but of respect and awe, entirely opposed to foolish superstitions. In May 1926, he reported in his diary of a sighting of a jackal of the same type as Anubis, the guardian of the dead, for the first time in over 35 years of working in the desert, although he did not attribute this to supernatural causes. Skeptics have pointed out that many others who visited the tomb or helped to discover it lived long and healthy lives. A study showed that of the 58 people who were present when the tomb and sarcophagus were open, only eight died within a dozen years. All the others were still alive, including Howard Carter, who died of lymphoma in 1939 at the age of 64. The last survivors, including Lady Evelyn Herbert, Lord Carvin's daughter, who was among the first people to enter the tomb after its discovery in November 1922, who lived for a further 57 years and died in 1980, and American archaeologist J.O. Kinneman, who died in 1961, 39 years after the event. Scientific speculation. So it has been suggested that the toxic spores of the fungus Aspergillus flavus besides possibly contributing to deaths following a 1973 tomb opening in Poland, may have also contributed to some of the allegedly Tutankhamun-related deaths, particularly the deaths of Laura Carnivan, George J. Gould, and Arthur Mace, though the link has been disputed, at least in Carnivan's case. Deaths popular attributed to Tutankhamun's curse. So the tomb was opened on the 29th of November, 1922. George Herbert, 5th Earl of Carnarvon, financial backer of the excavation who was present at the tomb's opening, died on the 5th of April, 1923, after a mosquito bite became infected. He died four months and seven days after the opening of the tomb. George J. Gould I, a visitor to the tomb, died in the French Riviera on 16th of May, 1923, after he developed a fever following his visit. A.C. Mace, a member of Carter's excavation team, died in April 1928, having suffered from pleasury and pneumonia in his final years. Captain the Han, Richard Bethel, Carter's secretary, died on the 15th of November 1929, died in bed in a Mayfair club, the victim of a suspected smothering. So he was murdered. Yeah. <laughs> Howard Carter opened a tomb on the 16th of February, 1923, and died well over 16 years later on the 2nd of March, 1939. However, some still have attributed his death to the curse. So, series of unfortunate luck. There you go. And back then, people yeah. didn't live long. Yeah, long. it's the okay. 20s. Healthcare was kind of a joke. They gave you cocaine for everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean... It's weird to then state how Howard, Howard Carter died, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say alcoholism. <laughs> uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. Lung cancer. Yeah. No. Uh, That's a blood cancer, isn't it? Yeah, it's a blood cancer. Yeah. Hmm. So. Maybe there's spores. You know, I, I feel that contribute. I might contribute. It has to. Home. With the amount yeah. of water locked in there for years, I'm sure mm -hmm. you didn't fucking... <gasps> as soon as you walked in there. Yeah. I mean, I could just imagine. You just, like, 
being in that person's footsteps and just unearthing something that's been closed for so many years, you know, and it, like, you gotta, you gotta understand that's been closed longer than people were believing in God. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, we, we've have 3000 years of Catholicism. This was 5,000 years ago. This is before anyone thought of that stupid idea. And then even the, like the Chinese dynasties are older than that, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, I'm all for being able to tour a tomb. I mean, we can go to 9/11 where 3,000 people died. Yeah, true. You, you go into the basement of the towers where they all died. That's where the museum is. So yeah, I've been there. Why yeah. can't I go to a tomb? Yeah, one guy. And they celebrated death. They built massive fucking pyramids for it. They gave you all these rooms. It's it's different look at life. Who do you think built the pyramids? Higher being? No. Slaves, slaves, slaves yeah. yeah. I was speaking of that. I don't know why it came to me because I just remember watching Alien versus Predator. But I rewatched Prey, and you know, have you seen you've seen no. Prey, right? What? Oh, it's so good. Not a Predator guy. Yeah, it's so good though. Amber Midthunder did it. I mean, it was just great, and she was just so ferocious in her role too. But maybe one that's day. it's on Hulu. Watch it. So, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the only, you know, I mean, King, I mean, there's, th- I mean, there's thousands of mummies, I'm sure, but obviously King Tut's the most famous, but, uh, yep. you know, um, and of course, uh, Brendan Fraser's mummy, so, that'd be cool if those were, those were the kind of curses, though, you know, <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> I'm good, I don't need the seven deadly sins fucking coming down. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Locusts and floods and all that shit. Sandstorms. Oh, that, that was a good movie. What's it called? The Rapture with uh, Hillary Swank. I think it was. That was good. That was about the Louisiana thing, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that was good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So something different, you know. Yeah. Uh, something different. Uh, you learn a little bit about Egypt, fools. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was thinking we're doing JFK next week. JFK. So. I think I'm gonna pop in the movie after we get done. There you go, it. big yeah. episode. Probably long gonna episode. Fall asleep about 20 minutes into it. You probably will. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm just like brainstorming, like what else could we do? And you know, uh, one story that's really good, and I learned a lot more by listening to another podcast is um, the disappearance of the Lindbergh baby. That's a good one. Yeah, and some of the crazy stuff that um uh what's his name um charles Lindbergh. charles Lindbergh was into yeah you know so i think that's a real good one new jersey story yep new jersey know? story yeah so and we got to plan this filming location the movie location i know we'll be doing Maybe it in the snow on. soon i know i know i know can you think of, i i <laughs> be pretty my areas my area is supposed to be like up to like almost 30 inches of snow this season so there's no way to fucking tell no, especially if we keep having seventy degree days. No, I know, I know. Um, yeah, so that's it, and uh, hopefully we can get some cool guests on, you know, here and there. I know you're working on one. We got to mm-hmm. do the thing with Ashley. We got to work on that. What are we doing, with Ashley? Again, I'm sorry. I don't know. You said it's she the... wanted to do. Oh, a... the cross promotion type thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I'll, I'll reach out to her and see when she wants to do that and how she wants to do it. So yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, already, my dude. All right, yeah, I got nothing else. Um, make sure you guys like, subscribe. We have a huge episode coming up next week. It's the 60th anniversary of JFK um, being terminated, and we're gonna go into it, and we're gonna have a pretty good video. So, uh, make sure you check it out. All right, guys, this has been a Horror Shed podcast. We'll see you next Monday. Night after.